You're listening to Randall Parker's Film Club with me, Randall Parker. On today's podcast, we will be reviewing two films from the list of greatest films of all time. Uh, one from 2009 called A Single Man and one requested by a listener called Girls Trip. Uh, we'll have a film face-off, a few of your emails and a bit later on we're going to try out a new section of the podcast. I'm currently coming to you from Bungalow 5, Irving Methley Court, Edgebury, West Midlands. My new home. Uh, I moved in on Wednesday afternoon and it's fabulous. I'm now the lord of my own manor. And last night I stayed up till 5 past 11 watching all sorts of shit on the telly. Fucking lovely. Comes with all the mod cons. Uh, previous tenant who passed away left the cooker, fridge, microwave and kettle. Uh, there's a nice settee. And the only thing I had to buy was a new mattress for the bed. A nice proper home. You know, I should have done this years ago. Uh, the bungalows here all sort of face each other in a sort of horseshoe shape and it's close to the daycare centre and the shops. My neighbours all seem quite friendly. They spend most of the day staring out the front window and smiling and they wave at me as I go past. There's a great feature here as well. It's like an alarm thing and it's over by the door. Right, um, If you press it right, there's this sort of two-way speaker and this bloke on the other end, sort of like, you can talk to him in case of an emergency. He did get a bit shitty with me last night, as he didn't seem to think running out of Twixies halfway through Strictly was classed as an emergency. He obviously doesn't realise how important Samba Week is, does he? But apart from that, I think I've got to be happy here. Uh, now, you won't be able to hear, but currently I'm having to wear an eye patch due to a slight accident with one of them straws off of the quenchy cups. Uh, I've got two boxes of them from Donna. Now, luckily, these days the straws are made of paper, so no permanent damage was done. I suppose it does serve me right for drinking him in bed at night, doesn't he, with the light off? Randall Parker's Film Fact During the filming of Fast and Furious 7, Vin Diesel caused production to be halted for a whole day as he was trying to have a big poo. Whenever someone knocked on his trailer door to ask if he was OK, he kept going back up. Randall Parker's Film Fact now, with the wedding only a couple of weeks away, things are rotting up and it sounds like it's going to be one hell of a do. Past few nights, I've given Mum a call to see if I can pop around and visit, but she keeps saying that her and Mr Wright are a bit too busy with wedding plans. Now, Friday night, I went for a walk ride right, and just happened to pass the house and I had a peep through the window. It didn't seem too busy at all to me. They were just sat on the sofa watching old episodes of Poirot on ITV3. Did knock on the window, but I couldn't get their attention. Can't have heard me, the deaf old swats. Well, the church is all booked, no expense has been spared, and at 3pm on Saturday the 11th of December, Mum and Mr Wash shall be joined in holy union at the church that backs onto the chemical works. On a related topic, the stag do is coming up, and as I said a week or so ago, uh, the invites had gone out. I had a word with Stan from the Bowls Club, and I said I hadn't got mine, and he said, get this, I didn't think it was your sort of thing, lad. I told Mr White this, and he said not to worry, uh, if I wanted to, I could pop along for a bit on the night. I mean, they've even invited Mickey Dawson, and I'm pretty sure he don't know Mr White. He's an odd, he's an odd bloke, is Mickey Dawson, right? As primary school, if he couldn't get his own way, he'd rip his trouser down, pull his widgie so hard that he'd often pass out. Emails. Now on to emails. Now, I did mention last week about the passing of ex-contributor to the podcast, Raymond Cress. And for those of you who live in the Leeds area and want to pay your respects, his funeral is this coming Wednesday. Now, if you do go, according to BBC Weather, it's going to be a cold one, so wrap up warm. Not that that's going to worry Ray, because I'm sure he's red hot where he's gone, the evil old prick. So, a few emails this week, so let's dive in. The first one says, Dear Randall, I was in Matalan on Tuesday browsing for a prom suit. I'm 41 years old and never actually went to my own prom back in the day, so when my daughter's high school gala came round, 
I saw it as an opportunity to right a very heavy wrong. My daughter, on the other hand, was horrified at my plan and has informed the headmaster at her school of my plan to show up and now they're planning on stationing three gender-fluid armed guards, each called Janine, around the premises and try to thwart my attempts to gain entry. I'm still going to go ahead and attend the prom as I'm aware there will be a crock and bouche serve for afters and I would be a fool to miss out. I have accepted that I might have to wear a disguise to get my hands on the aforementioned show puffs. But I'm struggling for inspiration. My question to you is this. Should I go full Mrs Doubtfire with prosthetics or opt for a more she's the man approach? Also, donning a burka is an idea which is still very much in play. Yanis Thalidomide, 41, Woking. Right. If I didn't know better, I would have thought that this had Raymond's dabs all over it, but as he's brown bread, it's past the filter and it's legit. Now, Yanis, you haven't mentioned if it's a sit-down do or a buffet, so I'm going to presume it's a buffet. And is a crock and boost that big tower of mini chocolate eclairs? Yeah, I can see why you'd want to get your hands on that fucker. Now, when I left school, uh, they pretty much locked the door behind me as I left, and we didn't have a prom thingy. Or so I thought... I found out years later from Donnie Tucker and Peter Arnold that there was a prom, but my invite must have got lost at the main sorting office. But on to your question, which way would you disguise yourself? It's budget dependent, ain't it? I mean, if you've got fuckloads of cash, then I'd defo go the prosthetics route. But the she's the man approach is cheaper, but loses something in his effectiveness, doesn't it? As for the burkey, you're best steering clear of that option, for the main reason that it limits you to only the halal cuts of meats off the buffet, don't it? Yeah, yeah, weighing things up, you're probably best off plumbing for the she's the man option, aren't you? Uh, quick and easy, bung on a frock, shave off your tash, away you go. Thanks for writing in, Yanis. Bosty name, that Yanis, isn't it? There ain't enough Yanises about, is there? Is that the right term for them? A bunch of Yanises, or is it a bunch of Yanai? Anyway, next email goes. Dear Randall, love the podcast. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose and what three questions would you ask them? Thanks for writing in, Craig. First things first, is the coffee important in this question? Could I have a mug of tea? Can't stand coffee. It's fucking rank. I can't understand what the obsession is with people. You see them walking down the street, don't you, holding these paper cups full of rank sludge, you know, like they're a fucking status symbol or something. See them in town, don't you? You're pushing the pram with one hand, cost a cup in the other, spilling it all over the kid. What's up, love? Haven't you got a kettle at home? But I've gone off topic there a bit, haven't I? The historical figure can have coffee. I'll have a mug of tea. Right, historical figures. There's been quite a few of them, ain't there? But for me, it would have to be Kung Fu legend Bruce Lee. Right, question one would be, is it true that you had all of your sweat glands removed so you didn't sweat a bit like what Prince Andrew did? Question two, is it true you dropped dead because you took an aspirin? Question three, you were supposed to be the coolest man on the planet, but why did you have a bowl haircut? Hope that's answered your question, Craig, and thanks for writing in. Boston email that. Tell you what, I've never realised how many ways there are to end an email. Many thanks, best wishes, warm regards. Is there some sort of league table for these? Are warm regards better than many thanks? If there is a rating system, then surely best wishes would be number one, wouldn't it? Emails. Tell you something I didn't know living here is that there's a maid service that comes with the bungalow. Well, they call it a home help, but... It's this big fat lass, right, and she comes round three times a week and makes sure you're doing okay and sort of runs the over around. Yeah, her name's Judith. 
I have to admit, it was a bit of a shock when I came in from the library and she was sat on my sofa, helping herself to a pot noodle and a brew in front of loose women. Wouldn't have minded, but it was one of my chicken and mushroom ones. Anyway, she's going to be popping in and keeping an eye on me. Hope she knocks first, as I don't want to barge in on me when I'm halfway through my mid-morning cack. So, on to our classic film review this week, and it's a film from 2009, and it's called A Single Man, directed by a bloke called Tom Ford. Now, according to the internet, this fella Tom ain't normally a film director, and his proper job is knocking up frocks for posh ladies, and he must have thought, let's have a crack at knocking up a film. Now, this film starts in 1962, and some bloke who is gay, which in 1962 weren't as popular as it is now, right, this fella's called George, and his mate, who was his sort of wife, is dead, and he died a while back. And George is right moody about it. And now he keeps having dreams about this dead fella and decides, tonight, I'm going to shoot myself dead. Now, he gets a phone call from this woman, who's his mate, and she says, don't be such a grumpy twat, pop round for your tea. Well, George then goes around doing bits and bobs, getting his affairs into order, ready for the big switch-off later. Now, throughout the day, he sort of gazes at things, nice things, and they become really colourful, and he smiles, taking a look at these things for one last time. Then things sort of fade, and he goes back to being all sulky. Now, I didn't mention that George is a teacher at a university, and he goes into school and starts to chat to some lad who takes a bit of a shine to him. A bit later, George goes off for his tea with his girlmate who called him earlier, and she tries to bring him out of himself. And she says, bloody hell, I fancy you are, do. But George gets pissed off and says, I'm a gay, and I'm sad because me fella's dead now, fuck off. Anyway, George goes to the pub, and the lad from the school's in there, and they get on and go back to George's house, and they have a drink. And George drops off to Kip. Anyway, he wakes up the next morning and sees the lad, and says to himself, I'm happy now, I'm not going to top myself, I quite fancy a go on this lad. And he smiles to himself, then drops down dead, and that's sort of where the film ends. Now, it's a strange one, this is. Not weird strange, just strange. It's a sad film, but a happy film at the same time. He's moody throughout the film, but then gets happy at the end, and wants to top himself, but when he chickens out, he drops down dead, so he kind of gets what he wants without anyone having to clean up blood off the ceiling. Ratings-wise, I'm going to put this on a par with the arm-wrestling masterpiece Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone, as it's packed full of emotion. That was A Single Man. Watch that if you want to see the bloke who was sacked from doing Paddington's voice, wanting to be wanked off by the little lad off of About a Boy. Shout out to the team at White and Bailey Fabrication, where a sort of work. It's complicated. Now, Mr White has got a big meeting with the HS2 people and apparently rival company Hoskins of Preston are spreading shit about us and trying to steal the contract. I do wonder if Mr White has bitten off more than he can chew, what with the wedding and all this robot robot stuff. He's looking very drawn and tired. I did ask him if there was anything I could do, but he says, Randall kid, you've done more than enough. So, the health and safety executive inquest has been set for the 7th of February, but no news on yet whether I'm going to be called or not to give evidence. Now, I've told Mr White that if he tells me what he wants me to say, we'll be fine. Now, I saw Janice from a cancer the other day, and I was asking her how long emergency permanent furlough can last for. Now, she looks at me blankly and said she'd never heard of it, which I thought was strange as she sorts the wages out. But then I thought, probably something senior management only know about, isn't it? Randall Parker's Film Face-Off. 
Right, so on to film face-off this week, and as always, it's two films with similar themes and threads running throughout them, and I'll take a look at both of them and tell you which one you should watch. Now, both films have an ageing old cowboy on a quest, and he's got to face demons that live inside him, and ultimately make him face his past. That's right, this week's film face-off is epic Oscar winner Unforgiven, and the first full-length computer-animated classic Toy Story. Now both cowboys have to go off on a massive journey. Clint Eastwood's is to kill a bloke who sliced up a prozzy, but Woody has to go and rescue a fucking annoying plastic spaceman. Clint is joined on his track by his old partner and a young cowboy, but Woody has a gang of toys including a springy dog and a potato whose face keeps falling off. Clint gets to shoot a bar full of bad shits to death, but Woody and the plastic spaceman do get a ride on a firework rocket. But for me, it's because of perhaps the most evil baddie I've ever seen in a film. I have to award the winner of this week's film face-off to Toy Story. Randall Parker's Film Face-Off Thursday night, right, I was in bed and I just had my sleepy time tug and I was drifting off. And you know that bit when you're sort of like not sure if you're dreaming or what's real? eh? There was this ghost stood at the bottom of my bed, standing there, just staring. I hadn't got my glasses on, so I didn't get a great look, but he was there, a small, pale, ghostly figure just floating at the bottom of the bed. And I kind of thought, well, if I pretend to be asleep, then he might just fuck off, but it don't. It just slowly starts to pull at me duvet, right? And so at this point, I'm shitting myself, right? And I reach for the first thing I can find, which is a quenchy cup I've got on my bedside table. And I lobby to the ghost, right? And he bounces off his head and he goes, fucking hell, and legs it out the room. So I see Big Ken and he tells him what's happened, and he says, if I'm lucky, it's a poltergeist, right? which is like an evil spirit that likes to fuck stuff up and muck about. But if I'm unlucky, it might be an incubus, right? Which is basically a poltergeist what shags you. Tell you what, there is no way I'm getting bummed by a ghost. So I've had a word with Sharon the vicar and she said she can come round and exercise the spirit. It's going to cost me 40 quid. Oh, sorry, I thought I'd turn that off. It's Donna, my mum's neighbour, wanting to know if I look after the kids tomorrow night while she bangs boss-eyed Tony from the Morrison's cheese counter. Randall's Requests, sponsored by Janet's 24-hour party services. Right, so on to Randall's Requests, where I, Randall Parker, review a film what listeners have requested. Now, today's film's been requested by a lady from Bristol called Henrietta Cox. So today's film is from 2017, and it's directed by a bloke called Malcolm D, and it's called Girls Trip. Now, Girls Trip is perhaps my favourite film ever. Said no one ever in the history of all mankind. So basically, it's a story of a bunch of women who used to go to school together and then they decide to go off on this massive fucking piss-up. It's kind of like The Hangover, but without the jokes. One of the ladies is going to give this talk at this big festival for women about how a successful marriage works, but her fella has got some tart up the duff, so she's got to pretend that all's okay. Now, for various unfathomable reasons, right, the friends fall out, make up, then ultimately become better people. Now, this film was shit. Proper shit. But saying that, I'm not sure that I was its target demographic. Uh, Ratings-wise, I'm going to put this on a par with a urinary tract infection. That was Girl's Trip. Watch that if you want to see a couple of black lasses pissing copious amounts of slash onto a large crowd of people. Randall's Requests. Sponsored by Janet's 24-hour party services. Tell you what I didn't realise was Four Tooth Dougie lives in these bungalows. Tell you the truth, though, I didn't realise he was still alive. Uh, saw him this morning, off to get a paper. Nice to see him out and about after the court case. Now, I managed to catch up with Tommy's slippers the other night, and the rumour down the chip shop is that local BNP councillor Eddie Britton has been up to his old tricks again. 
He's been banned from Primark. Allegedly, he was caught by the security guard having some special time whilst trying on some ladies' garments. But Tommy was sat in a hedge at the time, covered in his own sick, so best to take anything he says with a pinch of salt. Tell you what, though, the size of the portions of the chippy are a bit out of whack at the moment. Uh, they've got a new girl there, right, and I ordered a large chips, and it was fucking massive. Easily the size of two small portions, right? It was so big I had to nip off for a shit halfway through just to make a bit of room. They'll be going bust next week if they carry on like this. Randall smells bullshit. Right, so, thanks to Big Ken for that jingle. Uh, as promised earlier, we're going to try out a new section of the podcast called Randall Smells Bullshit where I look at something that happens in a lot of films that wouldn't happen in real life. Now, we've touched on this sort of thing in the past with petrol going off in a zombie apocalypse and our silences on guns are total bollocks. So every once in a while, I'm going to take a look at a common trope. Trope. Fucking good word, that, isn't it? I'll take a look at a common trope that happens all the time in films that reeks of freshly laid bullshit. Now this time I'm going to take a look at breakfast, the most important meal of the day, and in a lot of films where the hero is a lad at high school, you know the sort of films, don't you, the mum, she's always made a fucking amazing breakfast. Now poor mum must have got up about 3am to prepare the scrambled eggs, bacon, pancakes, freshly squozen orange juice, let alone the cost, it must have cost about 40 quid, only to have the main kid leg it downstairs through the kitchen, grab a round of toast and run out shouting, Bye mum! And the mum goes, OK hun, I'll see you later, have a great day. Bullshit. Now, if this happened in real life, Mum would drag the ungrateful fucktard back into the house by his hair, shove him in a chair and make him eat the whole fucking lot, every last fucking morsel. But Mum, I'm going to be late, he'd say, and Mum would say, I don't give a fuck, I've been up since three o'clock making this shit and it's cost me 40 quid, you ungrateful twat. Then she'd probably say something like, I hope you've made your fucking bed and cleaned your room, I'm sick of picking up them tissues you chuck under your bed, you dirty little twat. Finishing off with, I'm nothing more than a fucking skivvy in this ass. Nah, I'm sorry Hollywood, I'm not having this. Anything more than a round of toast or a bowl of ready break and you're taking the piss. Randall smells bullshit. Well that went quite well I think. Let me know what you think and what bits in films piss you off. The email is randallparker1971 at gmail.com Living on my own has been great. Although, I might have to rein in my mint Viscount intake. I've been caning those little fuckers. Lost my sense of taste for about an hour after a particularly heavy session on Friday night. Another thing I've found out is I'm quite a resourceful chap. For instance, a little tip for you. If you run out of bog paper and the shops are shut, a couple of slices of white bread work a treat. Randall's Classics Now, last week in this section of the podcast, I mentioned my nan and how many years ago after my granddad's death, she just sold up and moved to Greece and was never heard of again. And I wondered if she was still alive. Well, I've got an update for you. And according to Auntie Christine, who I was talking to about it early in the week, Nana Parker dropped dead in the early 90s at a ripe old age of 83. Now, according to Auntie Christine, after granddad passed away, she just sold up and didn't actually go to Greece, but an end terrace in West Brom. So, on to Randall's Classics for this week, and it's one, whenever it's on the telly, I have to watch. It's from 1977, and it's called Capricorn 1. It's about a mission to Mars, and at the last minute, NASA realised they've fucked up, and the astronauts have to get out just before the rocket goes up, and they have to pretend to go to Mars instead. Anyway, all goes to plan until the spaceship is on its way back, and it blows the fuck up. Now, NASA can't have the astronauts running around, so decide to try and kill them, but they fuck it up, and the astronauts escape. Sounds a right mess of bollocks, but it ain't. It's a right treat. Get it watched. Randall's Classics. 
Did you know astronaut and cosmonaut, if both translated into English, means star sailor? Sounds much nicer that, don't it? Why didn't they go with that? So that's another one done. Join me next week for more cinema-related fun. Hopefully I'll still be here, unless I'm bummed to death by a poltergeist. Uh, if you've got any questions or films you'd like me to review or just want to say hi, you can contact me via email. The email address is randallparker1971 at gmail.com. I'm off for a big shit with a bog door flung wide open just because I can. Ta-da for a bit.